So for your character research, I'd like you to have sex. I haven't had this much fun since the doggy. I don't think you've met many ragamuffins. <laughs> There'll be plenty of crying. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the unsinkable podcast. God himself could not sink this podcast. <laughs> I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I feel like I'm standing in a crowded room, screaming at the top of my lungs, and nobody even looks up. Well, you should have thought about that before you proposed to me. Yeah, you're really right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, would have been a good idea. Or you could have given me the uh, liqueur de mer. <laughs> that had shut me up. Yeah, let's go on a cruise. Okay. Some ragamuffin will save me from suicide. Oh, that would be so cute. Teach me how to spit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really don't know how to spit. No. <laughs> how does it work? You hurt. You gotta hock it up. Get it like good and thick. Yeah. Look, I'm- there's a fair amount of snot involved in <laughs> properly spitting, like a good, like solid. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to learn. Listen, really? potential ragamuffin out there, maybe teach me things with less snot in them. I don't think you've met many ragamuffins. <laughs> That's pretty much all they got. <laughs> You're right, I haven't. Anyhow, ahoy hoy, cousins, from the RMS up yours downstairs. <laughs> That's right. Designed by uh, Mr. Andrews. And, uh, crashed and- by Bruce Ismay. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a hell of a week here at Up Yours Downstairs <laughs> Headquarters. It, it actually has been, Tom's yeah. had a foot injury. Yeah. I've been ridiculously busy. Our house looks like the Battle of the Somme. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. It's been rough. It's been rough. I'm a, I'm a big Cincinnati Reds fan, which any of you out there that are know that it was a very bad week for it the Reds. It was a very bad week for the Reds. And, uh, yeah, and I haven't been able to walk for days. Yeah, he's been housebound. It's been terrible. It's been really terrible, because I have to do everything for him now, and (laughs) that's not my jam. Yeah, she just tells me to do things, but now I'm, like, foot, and then the things don't get done. It's really sad. Yeah. Did I mention that her apartment looks like the Battle of the Somme? <laughs> you did. Because it does. Yeah. It's... If World War II was fought exclusively by our household <laughs> items. We had to, we had to like burrow out our podcasting equipment yeah. from the pile of junk on top of it. It was covered in things. Yeah. And stuff. But we did it. We did do it. That's right. And for that reason, we are awarding ourselves Cousin of the Week. Hooray! Hooray! I'm so proud of myself. For awarding myself this prize. Neither of us has bathed and we're both wearing a pajamas. <laughs> just to paint you a picture of where we're at right now. Yeah. So clearly well earned. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, <laughs> we put the work in. Uh, so we have no new countries this, this week, which that is, is right. unfortunate. Still uh, waiting on you, Pakistan. Come on, Pakistan. Although I can't really ask much from Pakistan because we do keep killing them yeah that's so, true maybe we can just move on to whoever's next on the list okay yeah well we'll talk about that next time <laughs> all right after you've done the appropriate research yes uh, we do have a few telegrams from our cousins that we would like to share first one is from cousin caleb aka cousin mr voldemorton mm-hmm. hey guys so here's a theme I'm sorry it took so long coming. I went back and forth between guitar and dubstep for weeks. It turned out more metal than I expected, but hey, it jives well and I'm happy with it. 
Anyway, here's the link. Hope you all dig it and the cousins do too. Yours, cousin Caleb, Mr. Voldemort, and the metalhead. So uh, if that link, I think that link is already up actually at least on Twitter, but we'll post it to Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a pretty spectacular <laughs> Uh, heavy metal rendering of the Downton Abbey theme song. It's it's quite a thing. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. So once again, thank you, Cousin Caleb. Absolutely. For something that we could never even imagine doing Mm-mm. ourselves. Not at all. Yeah. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Cynthia, who writes, Greetings, Cousins Kelly and Tom. So, after laughing my way through your Manor House podcast, I decided to see where the Olive Coopers are today. Here's what I found through only a very little web searching. Master Guy is all grown up and very defensive about his family, particularly insisting repeatedly that his father is not the jerk that the show depicted. Jaunty looks like he went on to become an IT guy. Lady Anna is still apparently doctoring. And the supreme tool extraordinaire that is Lord O.C. himself has apparently given up Crazy John's House of Flooring and the accompanying chicken outfit to be a sports writer. He's got a LinkedIn page, and all photos still include the gigantic 1970s porn stash, but the find of the week was this page. The highlight, he loves Victorian ideals of fineness and duty, the apparent loyalty and company of his friends, whole cane butt rods. No, I am not making that up. Yes, it's really on the website. He hates unkindness, selfishness, flashiness, and dog's bollocks. I about fell off my couch laughing. Surely this might perhaps get me the coveted cousin of the week nod. Thanks for all the fun and snark that you provide. I love listening, learning, and laughing my assets off. Your faithful cousin, Cynthia. Well, thank you, Cynthia. And you were in contention for the cousin of the week. However, number one, the supreme sacrifices that we have made this week. (laughs) That's right. Have trumped everything else. Uh, But also, we actually, I think we talked about that article previously, or at least uh, Sir John's... uh, the, the, his, fishing his fishing weirdness, thing. which I can only assume is what a whole cane butt rod is. <laughs> Let's just assume. Yeah. That. No, and I, I feel really bad for Master Guy because I did click through and I'll post the link as well. But his comments on YouTube just make me really sad. Like yeah. that's the fallout, I think, of having put him on that show at the age of 10. Yeah. Is that, you know, A, he hasn't been able to come to the appropriate like early 20s separating yourself from your family kind of thing right and understanding that what other people say isn't necessary you know you don't have to pay attention yeah. to what they say yeah. Yeah. about you and your family and just that he you know he's in this sort of like arrested development about it you mm-hmm. know what are you gonna do right right and uh i don't know i just hope he's okay yeah and i hope he's getting some therapy or something yeah no i mean because you know he's always 10 on the show mm-hmm. you know so there's gonna be yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah, thank you though, cousin Cynthia. Absolutely, good, good information. You were definitely first runner up. (laughs) Yes. Next up, we have a letter from cousin Carrie. Hi, Kelly and Tom. It seems like you may be podcasting about James Cameron's Titanic, and if so, let me say, yeah! (laughs) I was a freshman in high school when that movie came out, and me and my friends saw it at least four times. Now, as an adult, when my husband and I watch it, I turn it off right when the iceberg hits. I cannot stand watching that part. Anyway, I saw this on Crushable.com and thought you might like to read it. It is the uh, Mythbusters Jack and Rose Mm. uh, experiment, which I believe we linked to as well. Okay. Uh, thanks for the great podcast. You two sound like a really cute couple. Cousin Carrie. <laughs> Thank you. We are adorable. Yeah. That's why we're cousins of the week. I was week. about to say, that's the other reason is how cute we are. We can barely even stand it. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, no, I was also a freshman in high school when that movie came out, and I also saw it at least four times in theaters. Got the double cassette when it came out. I mean, obsessed. <sighs> I had the soundtrack. I had the whole shebang. Yeah. It was just such a huge thing yeah. for girls my age. Well, I was, I was for girls, a, a fair number of ages, because I was a senior in high school and then a f- freshman in college, and mm-hmm. it was still going on, and... I went and saw it about four times myself, despite... I mean, I liked it fine. I was willing to go, but it was every time we wanted to know what to do. You know, Emily and Carol were always like, let's go see Titanic again. And we had to go along with it. But I mean, it, it's it's funny because it was just such a different time. Yeah. Like, I don't... I don't know. I don't know if our kids will understand what that was like because right. it was everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, there was cable, but it wasn't like it is today. You know, there was no on demand. Well, there wasn't the internet. There like, wasn't the internet. Yeah. And, and so you couldn't just watch Titanic, you know, <laughs> right. our kids would be like, I don't understand. I can watch Titanic literally anytime I want. We'd yeah. be like, no, <laughs> we had no idea when the fucking cassette was coming out and right. they'll be like a what? And then we'll be like, punch. <laughs> <laughs> that's for making me feel old wall i would never hit my kids yeah, y'all we're, we're not let's let's be clear we're not into corporal punishment <laughs> um yeah but it was just it was so pervasive it was yeah. we were talking about it when we were watching the movie <laughs> i remember when the radio would play my heart will go on with the dialogue from the movie well, and that's the other on thing the radio. Like the theme, My Heart Will Go On was even more pervasive than the movie Mm because the movie was only happening inside theaters. Yeah, you had to make an effort to go see the movie. Everywhere you went, that theme song was being played. I was working catering at the time and there was always a radio on in the kitchen and every time you'd go back there, that would be what was playing. That and Tub Thumping. Those were the two (laughs) songs that were constantly playing in that kitchen. I just want everyone to know that Tub Thumping is probably the greatest song ever, okay? (laughs) This is not a discussion. Right. This is not, I repeat, not a discussion. (laughs) Yes. We'll be singing when we're winning, okay? (laughs) End of story. End of discussion. Yes. Followed distantly by My Heart Will Go On (laughs) in second place. Sure. Uh, anyway, yeah, so clearly that diversion proves that Tom and I were, we were around at the height of Titanomania. (laughs) Yes. Our next telegram comes from Cousin Clinton, who writes, Incidentally, wondering if I should address telegrams to Tom and Kelly or Kelly and Tom. Ladies first, but seems as if missives to a properly married couple are usually addressed to the man first. Then again, I was not allowed to send thank you notes after I wrote a couple in the wrong ink or something. No idea how same-sex marriages will be treated by Miss Manners. Where was I? Oh, yes. I needed to rewatch Gosford Park before listening to your podcast, and you were so spot on about the awful marketing of the film. I was so disappointed in it when I originally saw it, thinking it would be a clever whodunit flick. But rewatching it after 2.3 seasons of Downton Abbey, as a clash of agrarian versus industrial society, values, and the mores of upstairs-downstairs relationships, it was terrific. Best moment of the film must be Dame Maggie's laughter after Ryan Philippe takes a coffee in the crotch. One lumber two, sir. Spoiler alert, but not too worried since podcast was months ago, but so sad, I'm hearing McGee's voice at the end, when Helen Mirren realizes her son's life looks to be no better than hers has been, or at least without the start she thought he would have, and that she has missed the joys and hardships of raising him as well. It's almost worse when you realize she will never be caught by Peter Fry's bumbling inspector, as that would be the only chance for Clive Owen to learn his mother is still alive. 
Also, so hard to figure out who is trying to boff whom, except that Dumbledore 2.0 was trying to do all the girls. Perhaps poor editing in addition to the marketing, trying to make a whodunit out of a film written and directed as a period piece. And Richard Harris was a better Dumbledore. And Samantha Bond was in Rumble of the Bailey? I always think of her as New Money Penny. That would have been an excellent pun if Lady Rosamond had married Carlyle. McGee voiceover. So close, but sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Gotta have something brain damaged. Nenny McGee quote, Cousin Clinton. I'll just repeat that last bit. I Thank think you. that I think that was intended for me to read. Yes, please and we, do. We really bungled it. <laughs> right. So close, but sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. There you go. Thank you for that. It's been a while. It has been. She's rusty. You got to keep in shape. I know. Got to practice <laughs> your exercises. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of think. You know, that a lot of the, uh, you know, you call it poor editing and that's, that's a fair assessment of it. But I also kind of think that that's just Altman being Altman and not wanting it to be easy to figure out. You know, I think his whole sort of thing is there's just all the, it's not a story. This is just all this stuff going on at the same time, you know, that happens to be No, I don't think it was a whodunit. I think, right. I don't think it was ever conceived as a whodunit. I mm-hmm. think, you know, the murder was simply this plot point and he had some things that he wanted to say through the vehicle of that plot point. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, nobody really cares who killed him. Right, right. I didn't really care. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of vaguely interested, but I mean, that wasn't the point. Right. And yeah, I mean, it, so, you know, I think it was just, you know, the studio. I don't understand that either because the studio, like, it's a Robert Altman movie. People yeah. know what to expect from Robert Altman. Well, yeah, but he also doesn't make that much money on his movies. Yeah, I mean, well. you know, they're not trying, you know. If their audience is only people that already like Robert Altman, they're not going to make as much money. Fair, and they probably paid out the nose for that cast. <laughs> they, I mean, you would think mm-hmm. it was it was a pretty sharp looking film all the way around. Although people will probably take a cut to work with Robert Altman. Probably. Anyway, we don't know about that. Yeah, we don't uh, at all. To the point about uh, addressing us as Kelly or Tom or Tom or Kelly, we don't really care. Yeah. But generally, we go by Kelly and Tom. Yeah. And I think that's partially because I'm the loud one. And also because it's alphabetical order. Yeah, that's true. Well, I feel like it. I feel like it scans better. Mm-hmm. Kelly and Tom. It's like a was that a trokey? I don't know, man. It's a but like yeah, Tom and Kelly. Yeah, like that sounds like a like a drink. <laughs> oh, the Tom and Kelly, straight up. <laughs> yeah. So it's entirely up to you, but I guess we lean towards Kelly and Tom. I wonder what would be in a Tom and Kelly. Um, I don't know. Wine. <laughs> <laughs> Wine with a with a vodka beer chaser. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. Well. Hey, <laughs> look. You drink with us. You're gonna get drunk. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, as far as same sex couples, I think the alphabetical rule should probably apply there as well. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Depending if you're changing your names or whatever or not. But yeah, I mean, I think you know. In another generation, we can have the fight for the civil rights of the you know Zanes of the world. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a couple generations. Uh, sure. No, look, alphabetical order, that's just, you know, to me, that's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Like, I realize it stinks for people who write academic papers, but... <laughs> right, yeah. I didn't go to grad school. No. So I don't care. <laughs> that's that's a good philosophy to have uh-huh. in general. I think so. <laughs> All right. Our final telegram comes from Cousin Beckett. Cousin Kelly, 
Exclamation point. <laughs> My mouth dropped open when you said you didn't like the boys rushing to hold the door for you. Perhaps I've got a little too much Scarlett O'Hara in me, but I not only revel in the door holding and chair pushing and coat taking, I expect it. I'm training little Jay, who is seven, to do all these things. Am I a throwback? I think I may be ten years older only. Somewhere in my heart, I think that women letting these little courtesies slide leads to further erosion of politeness on a grand scale. In that way, I guess I'm still a first-wave feminist voting from atop my pedestal. Okay, turning the sound back on now. (laughs) Fondest regards, Cousin Beckett. All right, here's my deal. If you want to hold doors open for women and pull out chairs and take their coats, fine. Go ahead. Do it. But I expect you to do it for men also. <laughs> simultaneously. Simultaneously? Well, I mean, not simultaneously. So that's impossible. <laughs> You're right. It is impossible. Um, yeah. No, I just think it's silly. Like, because to me, those courtesies are like, oh, from a time when, you know what? You don't get to vote or have any control over your body. Right. But here... I opened this door for you. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Look at me. Not beating you. Well, I mean, they probably be, you know, once the door was closed. Yeah. is That's the thing. There. What happened behind closed doors was nobody's business. It's true. Um, yeah, I'm basically in agreement. I mean, I think that, I think that, yeah, that politeness doesn't have to be gendered. Yeah. yeah. Politeness should be uh, egalitarian. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hey. Raise people how you want to raise them. Politeness is a good thing, um, you know, and I assume you're not raising anybody to beat anybody or keep them from voting or anything, mm-hmm. so we can, we can agree on that yeah. much. Yeah, all right. So, the, uh, the second battle of holding <laughs> doors open for people uh, is at an end. <laughs> Hurrah! Okay. It's time, everyone. It's time, yeah. Time yes. to go back to Titanic. That's right. Uh, we say that because we're starting with scene eight, entitled Back, Back to, to Titanic. Titanic. Yes. Because we did not want to watch Gloria Stewart getting her steward all over everything. Listen, we want to make it very clear that we hate that sweet old lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, we caught the, like, the, the tail end of her little thing. And like, okay, first of all, this movie is terrible. Right. Let's just get this out of the way. Like, as, like, a piece of art, or something that was written by someone with an eighth grade reading level. <laughs> Horrible movie. <laughs> Horrible. Just the dialogue makes me want to die. Yeah. Like in this little snippet we saw of Bill Paxton talking to Gloria Stewart. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, you know, tell us what you can remember. And, you know, she's like, it was 84 years ago. And he's like, just whatever you could, just anything would be helpful. She's like, do you want to hear the story or not? And I'm like, but it didn't even make any sense. I was like, you're the one who went into it acting like you couldn't remember. Yeah. You freaking inane old woman. Also, you clearly remember a lot of details, including ones that you were not present for. Including details that this man, who's devoted his life to the deep sea diving (laughs) recovery of artifacts from the Titanic, already knows. Yeah, indeed. Like, do you think all the people in that, like, submarine or whatever are just, like, sitting there checking their watches? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh, we all know Bruce Ismay, cowardice, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Thomas Andrews this, Captain E.J. Smith that. But like, when will somebody invent smartphones and Facebook for times like this? <laughs> <laughs> Status update. Listening to old woman blab about the Titanic. So bored. Good thing she's not on Facebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> 
so uh no in the menu we we have like some crappy edition of the dvd that we got at best buy it's it's not the heart of the ocean edition no it's it's not this is not the the super califragilistic expialidocious (laughs) bells and whistles blu-ray this is this is the bare bones (laughs) i gotta get my titanic on (laughs) you know uh and i mean to be fair it was the last one left in the store so we're clearly not the only people that to this day, find themselves wanting to own Titanic. Apparently. 15 years later, here, still... Here we are. Yeah. So the the menu, though, is like, you know, you know different shots from the movie. And I was just struck by Billy Zane <laughs> and how Billy Zane could only have happened in the 90s. Yeah. Him and Bill Paxton both, kind of. Yeah. It was a big decade for Bills. <laughs> it was. It was. Pullman. Yeah, no, because Bill Pullman's kind of the same way. Like, I know yeah. he got big in in Spaceballs, which was the 80s. Right, but, right. like, still. Well, and the movie is just a 90s movie. It's a 90s All of their movie. hair! Like, Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm like, where'd you get that $300 90s haircut, <laughs> you penniless urchin? Uh, Beverly Hills, why do you uh. ask? <laughs> <laughs> and also, the women are all wearing way, way too much makeup. Mm, like, yeah. they would have been thrown off of the Titanic for wearing <laughs> this much makeup. Well, or, you know, sent down to, you know, the horse quarters and steerage. Ooh, were there horse quarters? Surely, that right? sounds fun. Can't get that many people together without having some prostitutes involved, <laughs> can you? I don't they know that they would have... there for two weeks, Kelly. I'm just not sure they would have codified it like that. Well, I mean, they weren't labeled, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, excuse me, I'm trying to find the horse quarters. Oh, right this way, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, point being, to speak of the 90s is to speak of Billy Zane and <laughs> right. his floppy, weird hairdo. It, it's, it's all those things. It's Which true. is different from the $300 hairdo. Yeah. Because Billy Zane's clearly was like a great clips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one other thing I wanted to say before we got into it was just, I was I was actually a little apprehensive going into this because, like... Not a whole lot of people, you know, making fun of Downton Abbey. They're out there. And, I mean, when it comes to making fun of Manor House, I think we had the market cornered on that one. I'm not sure that there's another. Yeah. Uh, But when it comes to Titanic, like, you know, we're competing with 15 years of late show monologues and, like. Just think of it as standing on the shoulders of giants, Tom. (laughs) Yeah. No, I actually, but I've been. Or titans. (laughs) Right. But I've been pleasantly surprised at how easy it is to make fun of there's so much more to make fun of that people never really get into no man i mean the dialogue mm-hmm. people rarely make fun of that like yeah. i feel like that's kind of an outgrowth of making fun of the plot mm-hmm. but look we'll get there right okay yeah so we kicked it off with gloria stewart rambling on and it's just like, and then it fades to this flashback. It's like, we now interrupt this community theater production of an old lady's <laughs> recollections to present an Oscar-nominated film. <laughs> and it's true. And I mean, this is why, again, this so did not need this frame narrative. No! At all. It or just, any of the unnecessary voiceover. Yeah. It didn't need, like, just open with the, like, hustle and bustle of everybody getting on the Titanic and things being loaded on and somebody's shipping in car and it's like, get that car in there, buddy. Somebody's going to need to bang in there. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. And a young child saying, and I quote, Daddy, it's a ship. Like, wow, young child, you suck. She's the child that is going on that ship. Oh, right. She's she's Cora. She's Leo's best girl. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, what do you mean? It's a, it's the ship. Yeah. You tiny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was just a, a like, like 
Like, why not? Like, Daddy, it's big. Like, that would be fine. Because it is really big. But, like, you know, there's you've not seen a ship. You're in Southampton. Mm-hmm. There's ships everywhere. Yeah. You have one in your backyard. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, Cora. You're just a child. So, in the in the voiceover, we get old lady McDumdum <laughs> being like, Titanic was the ship of dreams, but to me, it was a slave ship. Taking me back to America in chain. What? Oh. What? Whoa, man. Whoa. I mean, this is, again, this is what's so 90s about it. It can be like this so, like, oh, people back then were so prejudiced and all this sort of thing, and yet have a line like that and no black people. None. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, the closest they have to a minority is an Italian guy, and he is an embarrassing stereotype. Life is beautiful. When are we going to see a movie about the Titanic with a sad Italian in Yeah. That is what I want to know. Yeah. I bet a bunch of them were sad. They were leaving Italy. Yeah. If I live in Italy, I would never leave. Yeah, man. Spaghetti all the time. (laughs) Sure. Spaghetti in the morning. Spaghetti (laughs) in the evening. Spaghetti at supper time. I mean, I kind of do that already. Yeah, it's like we've got... got Certain members of this podcast have already eaten spaghetti this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It was 10 o'clock in the morning when I ate it. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, the slave ship, the Titanic. Uh, yikes. Yeah, no. Like, that's, that's inappropriate. Well, and it's just horrible because why you gotta put that on Rose like that, old Rose? I know. Young Rose is awesome. Yeah. Young Rose never would have said that. Yeah. That's another moment where back in the ship, Bill Paxson and his buddies are looking at each other like, uh... Oh. You know, there's... Are there black guys on that crew? I I feel like there was There's gotta be at least one. I feel like there was a token in there, but we didn't watch that part, so I don't remember. Yeah, because fuck that part. That's why. Yeah, indeed. Um... So yeah, so she's she's there with Billy Zane. Who let's okay, let's yeah. talk for a minute. We're gonna as we go through this, people who should have been nominated for an Oscar <laughs> who weren't. Right. Billy Zane is literally the only reason that this movie works. He's so he loves his evil. He's just like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm just an evil dude. I'm just gonna go around being arrogant and evil and and loving it. Like, it was fantastic. Also, is he supposed to be British? It's not at all clear. I think he's just pretending. Like, it's just such a... I, I can't even do... It's because it's not even a British accent. It's like that... It's, it is it is like that sort of, like, East Coast yeah, thing. Yeah, like, like, like how the Monopoly guy talks, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> do not pass go. <laughs> um... Yeah, so that's not clear. But yeah. I'm assuming his character is new money, right? Or something? I don't know. Like, yeah, cause and like, I feel like this is explained, but I can't... Where's he get his money from? <laughs> it's driving us mad! <laughs> Indeed. A little something for you fans of Mr. Show out there. Yep. It, I think it might be gotten into later. And I mean, he he may well be old money, but God, he seems like he acts like new money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, like, he's got, like, the old money arrogance with the new money just cluelessness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, like, you know, Frances Fisher seems very, like, classy. Yeah. She's, she's super old money. Yeah. Except that she's got no money. Right. Which we haven't learned yet, but come on. Right, right. Look, Honestly, is there anyone listening to this who hasn't seen Titanic yet? <laughs> if you are, I want to know your story and how you managed to avoid it for 15 years. Yeah. Tell us your secret. <laughs> I mean, it's too late for us. Yeah. But perhaps you can save future generations. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
um yeah so she makes that slave ship comment right after there's like a steerage guy getting his beard checked for lice yeah and i'm like if you want to make a slavery metaphor you could talk about the class uh inequities but even that is still like a bridge too far yeah and that health inspection i was like wow that is like marginally worse than getting on a plane these days yeah like at least they don't check your beard for lice mm-hmm. that's the one thing i'll say for yeah the tsa thank god my beard wouldn't stand for it <laughs> that's right so listen if anybody's trying to get lice on a plane no problem you can do it that would be a great movie <laughs> like, i am sick of these motherfucking lice on this <laughs> motherfucking plane <laughs> somebody getting out their chopsticks <laughs> fine tooth comb (laughs) (laughs) by the time they land at lax no more lice (laughs) that's right they flushed them all down the toilet yes wow (laughs) moving on so then we get a scene uh that rose shouldn't have any recollection of of uh leonardo dicaprio who, by the way, we're going to be referring to as Leonardo DiCaprio for the duration of this movie because I don't want to alarm you guys. <laughs> but Leonardo DiCaprio can't act. Yeah. Not at all. This He's is very charismatic. Somehow. He used to be really attractive. Hollywood's, like, best kept secret somehow. Like, there's just, like, still just everybody assumes he can act. Like, everybody just takes it for granted. Like, oh, he's a good actor. He's, uh, he's been in all these movies. Yeah, uh-huh. Martin Scorsese. And but he's awful. He's not... So terrible. He's not a good actor. He's a very bad actor. Yeah. I mean, yes. Charismatic, sure. Like, he's he's pleasant to watch on screen for the most part, but he just does, he doesn't have range or, or depth. Or life behind his eyes. Yeah. Which is fine. Many people are bad actors. Mm-hmm. He just happens to be one of them that nobody seems to have noticed yet. Yeah. Or just, I don't know, like, does Hollywood, like, put so much money into him early on? And they're like, well, we can't back down now. I mean, it, well, I mean, you know, he sells tickets. And that's yeah. all that any of them actually care about. I saw Titanic four times. <laughs> you sure did. Um, yeah. but So it's the poker the poker game in which they're uh, winning winning the tickets. Him and his, his Italian stereotype friend... Uh, Fabrizio, life is beautiful. That's that's the one. Uh, they <laughs> are playing poker with a couple of Swedes, like you do in Southampton, and uh, they have bet a knife and a watch and something else against uh, tickets to the Titanic. And and one of the Swedes is like, I can't believe you bet our tickets. And they don't translate what the other person says, but I assume that it's me neither. But you can't fight narrative economy. <laughs> Indeed, and uh, so. They, they lay out, everybody except Leo's laid down their cards, and Leo leans over to Fabrizio, and he says, I'm sorry, Fabrizio. And Fabrizio's very upset because he's lost his knife or whatever. <laughs> and then Leo's like... How are they supposed to fight off the Southampton Toffs? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good question. They would have been screwed. But no, it's a twist, Leo says, because you're not going to see your mom for a while because we're going to go to America. Which, A, should should he write a letter to his mom or something? Is she going to be upset? Is like his this? mom in England? Yeah, that's... Isn't he already not seeing her back in Italy? Right. So like, that's a fake accent to have a mom who lives in, in England. Yeah, so that that was odd. Second of all, Leo should really consider hosting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, because that was a classic <laughs> misdirect. Is that your final answer, Fabrizio? <laughs> I see ya. <laughs> and the correct answer is B. Life is beautiful! <laughs> so they run off. 
to the Titanic to board. They they get up to board the ship, and the guy is like, "Oh wait, you have to go through the health inspection." They've and already started pulling away the gangplank, gangway, gangplank. What's it called that you get onto a ship? With? Gangham style. <laughs> they started pulling it away. <laughs> And, and yeah, so they they try to get on. And the guy's like, "Wait, wait, wait! You have to go through the health inspection." And Leonardo DiCaprio is like, "No, no, no! We're Americans, both of us. We don't have lice." And I'm like, "Hold <laughs> up! I'm an American, and lice were a real problem in my elementary school." Yeah, uh, mine as well. And like, why even have a health inspection at all if at the end you're just like, "Oh, okay, come on board." Yeah, come on like, board, you, you you lice-ridden, mangy peasants. <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe if the lookouts hadn't been so busy scratching their lice, they would have seen the iceberg. (laughs) (laughs) So then we go, we go into Rose's cabin where she's hanging up a bunch of paintings. Like, like. 20 of them like a ton of paintings a ridiculous number of paintings yeah they're incidentally by something picasso yeah uh which billy zane sagely and arrogantly replies well he'll never amount to anything mark my words because (laughs) (laughs) old-timey people don't know stuff they couldn't tell the future ah ha ha no it, it really that i mean that any period movie like has that moment in it, and I hate it every single. This time. movie is full of them. It is like this movie. Has I think more James than Cameron. Share. Here's two things James Cameron loves. He loves appropriating the trials and tribulations of ethnic minorities for his own personal gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about Avatar, and also <laughs> that slave ship line. Right. And he loves to to point out how old timey people were dumb. Yeah. And they weren't as smart as James Cameron. Yeah. Well, nobody is. Have they been to the Marianas Trench? I think not. Bill Paxton was. <laughs> Bill Paxton's not been to the Marianas Trench. James Cameron's not smart. He paid people who were smart. I know. I wish I could pay people who were smart. We all wish that. No, but I'd love to see this movie and have it be about an artist that never really did amount it to anything. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, I guess Billy Zane was right on that one. Way to go. You go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> Uh, then they, they stop in, where do they stop that Molly Brown gets on the ship? Cherbourg? Yeah. Yeah. So they stop there and like, apropos of nothing though, uh, old Rose is like, we stopped in Cherbourg and picked up old unsinkable Molly Brown. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was, that I was watching Titanic or the most expensive second grade book report ever. <laughs> like all of the things that happen in this movie and like all the voiceover stuff is just so pedantic and stupid. Yeah. And well, it all could have been handled, you know. And, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing about it. Cause there actually is. And I wrote this down later on a positive note. Um, I'll, I'll but later on, when uh, Jack comes to the first class dining room or whatever, and Rose is telling and pointing out who all the people are and saying, oh, that's Aster and that's whoever else. Like, that's how you shoehorn in exposition. Yeah. You get a character who doesn't know things and have another character explain it to them. And then we're filled in. Like, there's no reason unsinkable Molly Brown couldn't have been pointed out in that. And I mean, and I wanted well, to point this out. But Rose would like, oh, I want to call her unsinkable and I can't think why. <laughs> right. Well, that's a fair point. Um, Sometimes old tummy people could tell the future. Because <laughs> she's so fat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, and that was just also just to take another shot at Julian Fellows, who, you know, did not handle his exposition well at all on the Titanic. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, so they pick up 
Kathy Bates, which we're very happy to see. Yes, because she's fantastic. And that's another thing about this movie is that um, apart from Leonardo DiCaprio, all the actors are, are really good, pretty yeah. much. Like, there's so many really good actors and tiny roles in this that really – like, that's what makes the movie is – is all the supporting roles are just really... Mm-hmm. No, Fabrizio deserves an Oscar. <laughs> he acted the shit out of that Italian stereotype. He did. He did his very best. Mm-hmm. His like, level best. Yeah. No, and that guy playing that Irish guy, Tommy O'Ryan. Yeah. I love how uncreative all the names in this are. Like, <laughs> right. oh, uh, an Irish guy, Tommy O'Ryan. And we, we need an Italian guy, uh, Fabrizio. Right. We need just like an every, uh, Jack, Jack Dawson. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. We're done. We're done. Yeah, indeed. Somebody needs to buy James Cameron a baby names book. I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, then there's all this voiceover of old Rose being like, I was so depressed. You know, my life was just a parade of cotillions and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, your life sounds great. Yachts? Yeah. I want a yacht. Wow. First world problems much? Yeah. Good Lord. Man, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like... And it's, again, let's not forget possibly the most amazing performance. Like, this is, like, this is not, this is some next-level shit. Mm -hmm. Like, Billy Zane, reason the movie works, just because we need uh, an antagonist that we hate. Right, right. But, like, Kate Winslet's in a whole other movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we love Kate Winslet on this podcast. We're in love with her. Yeah, we don't want to hear any back talk about it either. Uh -uh. We love Kate Winslet. If you don't like her, you aren't allowed to listen to this podcast anymore. Yeah. Basically, Sorry. we can't. We have no way of stopping you. <laughs> right. Just know that you're not wanted anymore. <laughs> right. No, and I mean, this is her like at her most beautiful before she got all skinny. I mean, she's still very beautiful. Yeah. But she just she was young and fresh, mm-hmm. and she is acting in this very raw way. Like you don't need any of this voiceover. Right. Like you can tell she's miserable. Yeah. Because she's an actor. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. They all are. Well, and it just, look, I'm willing to believe that a girl who's, what, like, 19 years old or whatever, and she's lived in this prescribed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. life, and she hates it. But, like, let me see that. Don't tell me how horrible it is, because there's right. no way to make that actually sound sympathetic. Well, and, yeah, exactly. Like, she can feel that way, and she's not even wrong to do so at that age. But as the filmmaker, you need to have the perspective to realize that, you know, that how that sounds. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He's totally on board with the with the Well, and that's something that I also don't like about this movie is it's like assertion that, you know, wealth is ultimately horrible, which I know is surprising since we're so pro-communist on this podcast. <laughs> oh, right. No, but I mean he's, you know, he's trying to paint everybody except Molly Brown with the same brush. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think it's really easy to try to do that in the Titanic narrative because it's like, oh, all these poor people died and they should have lived because they were so much better than the rich people. And it's not, you know, the point is that it was human life. The point is not that certain lives are more or less valuable than others. Right. And, I mean, the point is, moreover, that when you let rich people have all the money and run everything, they do a bad job. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just the nature of things is that it becomes – it stops being the people that earned the money and it starts being the people that inherited the money and just the competency at the top slowly erodes. Mm-hmm. Like that's why the Titanic sank is because many people involved were idiots mm-hmm. and just assumed that nothing bad could ever happen to them. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, and I mean, yes, certainly, you know, the fact that all the steerage people were sort of locked in to drown and all that sort of thing, also bad and also a problem. But 
you know, it's not just that rich people were evil. It's just that they're, you know, incompetent Mm -hmm. and they can't run things. Like, that's the most important thing of all. If people think that rich people are, you know, like deserving of or like earned their money and got it, you know, by lying and cheating and stealing or whatever, then people will be like, oh, well, at least they know what they're doing. Yeah. I don't want to take the time to run things. But if you know that rich people don't deserve their money and are just foolishly lucky and, you know, incompetent idiots, then maybe you'll want things to be run differently. Well, and having money doesn't automatically confer, you know, knowledge of infrastructure or Uh, logic. Right. That's not how it works. Yeah. Anyway. This has been our incoherent political... No, but so, you know, Rose's life is amazing, and I am super not interested in her old person interior monologue about how horrible her life was. Like, is it bad to get stuck into an arranged marriage because of money reasons? Sure. We all like Downton Abbey. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just such a flimsy thing to hang this whole movie on. Right. Because it's just, you know, it's just weird. Right. And I mean, and it's it's also, it's illogical. It's trying to apply, you know, late 20th century rhetoric to an early 20th century problem. And you can't do that. Right. And yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, again, our whole issue with this thing. And, And again, I mean, it's particularly pronounced in Titanic, but virtually everything you ever see that's set in any period has that problem. Yeah. I find it very annoying. Mm hmm. Um, well, and I will say that is something that I do think Baron Fellows tries to do, and most yeah. of the time succeeds. Yeah. I think he tries really hard not to, and I think this is also maybe just a byproduct of the fact that he is, you know, he's got his head so far up his own ass right. about being conservative. Right. But I mean, that does make him not try to apply current day logic to the problems that were being faced yeah then. i think you know i think there's tastes of it here and there but certainly very compared to the titanic and compared to most no, i mean the titanic is like an episode of my so-called life <laughs> in comparison yeah my so-called unsinkable ship <laughs> right so anyway the uh titanic sails off into the atlantic really close to this tiny sailboat which i really think should have been like swamped by the the, the bow wave of the titanic. yeah that like, sailboat should have died yeah those poor french fishermen should be dead now yeah more victims to a capitalist <laughs> tyranny or whatever um and and jack has found his jack and fabrizio have found their cabin which one of the other people in the cabin says in Swedish, where's Sven? Which was really funny. I think in Sweden, Titanic was actually titled, where's Sven? <laughs> I would just much rather see that movie. <laughs> like, what happened to Sven? <laughs> yeah, after what did he, After doing? he punched his friend. You could take up a new life in Southampton. Yeah. Open a Swedish deli. Meatball shop. Yeah, meatball shop. Yeah, he was the inventor of Ikea. <laughs> So isn't he glad he gambled away his chance at a new life? Uh, possibly. Yeah, so uh, the the steerage passengers seem to have a really wide berth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nautical puns. <laughs> we got them. That we do. Uh, yeah, they seem to be allowed to go literally anywhere they want on the Titanic. Yeah. They shouldn't be allowed to be where the sun is. Right. 
Right? That's always been my Cousin Chris, back us up here. Yeah. Or correct us. Like, we could be wrong, but it seemed odd. Well, to you us. shouldn't be somewhere that you can see a rich person. Yeah. Well, cause like, if steerage people are allowed on that deck, which wasn't that big, why weren't they all on that deck right? instead of in their cramped you know, I mean, I guess you could explain, like, oh, you know, Jack Dawson plays by his own rules. James Cameron. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, it seems pretty ludicrous. But, I mean, you know, Fabrizio is there, too. And, you know, random Irish guy yeah. that they're hanging out with. No, and I mean, just everything that happened in this chunk of the movie. I'm like, shouldn't somebody have been chasing one or both of you out of the inappropriate deck that you were on? Yeah. But apparently not. But man, I like that Irish guy way more than Jack or Fabrizio. Like, yeah. He's just so like calm and not like. No, you know. and he's proud because Irishmen built that shit. That's right. He's a strong Irish hands. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> I don't think anyone would say that, but okay, Tommy O'Ryan, you can call me. <laughs> so Rose is at dinner or something and she's feeling very sad. Right. So she runs and runs and runs. She's running, running from her life and Billy Zane in his eyeliner. <laughs> and uh, so she gets to the end of the ship. I don't even know why I'm recapping this for you. You know what happens. Right. She's she's all hanging out over the wake, considering jumping. And uh, who should appear but uh, Jack, who can go wherever he wants. Uh-huh. Just like Kate Winslet. They're both – there is – I was reading up the different things. They – they are not allowed to be there, but you do actually see a sign in the stern. They're not allowed to be up at the the front either, but you don't see the sign there. But you do see the sign behind Kate Winslet saying, no passengers allowed beyond this I point. I see. So at that point, that they are clearly breaking the rules. Shouldn't they have stationed, like, a midshipman? No. I don't know what midshipmen do. I think I think most ships, they just sort of let things handle themselves and don't yeah. really worry about keeping an eye on anything. That's that's my understanding okay. of, of sailors. All right, cool. We're all pretty laissez-faire. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she wants to jump uh, because she'd rather die than uh, marry Billy Zane, which I'm straight and I don't even feel that way. Yeah. Like, if those were my two options, I'd be like, well, pucker up, Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> Zane or death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're all out of Zane. You have to marry Bill Paxton. No! I long for the sweet embrace of death. <laughs> um, yeah. And well, I will say about this scene where, where Jack talks her down. Uh, she doesn't kill herself, by the way. Spoilers! Um, but at this point, we realize that Leonardo DiCaprio, much better actor in the scenes with Kate Winslet. Yeah. Like, their scenes together, he is much more, like, alive and believable and, and whatever He else. seems like he might be doing something approaching acting. Right. And, no, because, I mean, we were talking, I mean, they were both super young when they made this movie. Mm-hmm. This is what launched both of their careers in a really substantive way. Like, mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio had been around for a while, obviously, right. but he, you know, I think, you know, at this point, you know, his biggest thing was Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah. I mean, he did, like, the Basketball Diaries and What's Eating Gilbert Grape and right. stuff. Right, like, he, you know. But, I mean, you know, he was still a kid. Yeah. So this is what kind of made him into a leading man. Yeah. But so, I mean, and they're still best friends, like, to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I secretly think that they were doing it during the production of this movie. Because, like, how could you not? Right. What, like, like you'd almost be required to. Yeah. <laughs> like. So for your character research, I'd like you to have sex. In uh, a car. In a car. Any co- my car, in fact. No, in a period car. car. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you have to go find it yourself. It's a scavenger hunt. Um, 
But yeah, so, you know, they have their little like meet cute and then she almost falls off the ship for like dumb reasons. Like her shoe slips or something. And Leonardo DiCaprio's like, shit, I was only bluffing when I said I jumped in after you. <laughs> so, so he, he's like, oh, you know, pull yourself up, pull yourself up. I'm like, that woman has no upper body strength. <laughs> yeah. She is wearing a corset. Her whole She's, life has been dedicated to creating the appearance of weakness. Yeah, if she ever started to develop upper arm strength, she'd be put in a straitjacket for a month. Mm-hmm. Have her lady bits cut off or whatever. Sure. So, yeah. So anyway, he pulls her up, and then all of these like sailors finally come up, because they hear her screaming for help. Right. And they come, and they find him lying on top of her on the deck with his shoes off. Right. And so the implication is that he was somehow trying to take advantage of her, even though she's not struggling or fighting him in any way. Yeah. Uh, and also, I don't know many rapists, <laughs> but I don't think anybody just takes their shoes off to rape someone. Not in public. Well, and like, not first. Yeah. Maybe like, later. Listen, first I got to get these shoes off. Then I'm going to rape you. <laughs> so don't run away. <laughs> They're double knotted. <laughs> Knew that was a mistake. So then we cut to this scene, which is really weird, where they're putting Jack in handcuffs mm-hmm. because apparently he tried to rape Kate Winslet. Right. And, and Kate Winslet's been put in a blanket, like, this is, like, a few minutes later at least. And at no point has she spoken up and said, hey, guess what? That guy wasn't trying to rape me. Yeah. I was trying to commit suicide, and he tried to save me. So she makes up this whole cockamamie story about, I was, I was, I was, I think she was actually ad-libbing. Uh, yeah. Like, I was looking at the, at the, at the propellers. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and Billy Zane buys it hook, line, and sinker because the script requires him to, and he right. does a great job. He's like, ah, she was looking at the propellers. Right. Well, and it's sort of this, you know, thing where it's easier for him to believe that than that. She'd know. rather die than marry him. Yeah. And his floppy 90s haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, like, that scene is dumb because it doesn't make any sense. Like, Rose isn't, like, the whole movie is predicated on Rose being a good person. Right. So why did you almost let this poor person go to the hold? Like, well, you know, she was, uh, it it took her that long to come up with that propeller story, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I just wish she was a more accomplished liar. I know. So Billy Zane invites uh, Leonardo DiCaprio to dinner to thank him for saving Rose's life because she thinks $20 isn't enough, which adjusted right. for inflation. I'm like, well. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Like, your family's in debt, right? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you He's know. He's taking a hit on this. Like, he doesn't have a home. <laughs> like, he could use 20 bucks. Yeah. More than a fancy dinner, I would think. Yeah. But, uh, like, but he's... what are they going to do? Just tell all his hobo buddies, I once dined with people on the Titanic. The unsinkable Molly Brown was there. <laughs> and then he gets stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what hobos do, right? Sidewalks for regular walking. <laughs> Not for fancy walking. Yep. Yeah, so Jack gets $20 in a dinner. Rose, meanwhile, gets a gigantic diamond. Yeah. Like, it's... Like, it's... 56 carats is what he said. Yeah, and it's like, I don't... I mean, look, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one. I think that necklace would only look appropriate on a 10-year-old in a princess costume. Or a naked Kate Winslet. (laughs) Well, everything's appropriate on a naked Kate Winslet. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. But I just find it, like, unattractive. No, it's gaudy. Look, I think any 
once you start getting into things that are bigger than like two carrots on a diamond, it just looks disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like children died for that. Okay. You owe it to them to at least cut it up into more tinier pieces. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So word of the wise, just don't, don't go above two carrots. That's just tacky. Yeah. You can have more stuff that looks nice and tasteful. It's not how Billy Zane rolls. I know it's not at all. You know, of all the people, he's the one that we have not yet referred to by his character name, which is Cal. Well, it's because his character's name is Cal. Mm -hmm. Come on. (laughs) Cal. So Rose is walking around on some fancy person deck with Jack. He's just there. Apparently, the scene immediately before this that we didn't see was Rose saying, Bye, Mom. I'm off to wander the ship unattended with a lower class man. Don't want to be back. Bye. Well, just so long as you're not smoking. <laughs> like, this is... its imp- How could she be walking the deck, any deck, with Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, how is that... Po- that is not possible. Maybe some of the people in charge of keeping the riffraff out are gay. And they were like, what an attractive young man. But that's not even the point. What about the people that were charged with keeping Kate Winslet in? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. Do we not understand what women's, like, role was at this point? No. Nope. don't get to just walk around and do what they want. That's the whole thing. I thought she was in chains. Uh, I thought this was a slave this ship. This is the world's most luxurious, autonomy-embracing slave <laughs> ship, Tom. I guess so. But Anyway, it's really, really stupid. They, they get a scene well, together. Well, and especially just coming at it after these many months of immersing ourselves in Edwardian culture, this isn't happening. Right. Like, people who know the period, probably their brains exploded while watching this movie. (laughs) Could be. Um, But yeah, this scene actually, by the way, I was looking up some other things, and uh, this scene that they have was actually, a lot of it was ad-libbed by then. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Even him saying he reckons things? I, I don't know which parts, but it said it was largely wow. ad-libbed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because the dialogue for Jack is clearly written for someone to have sort of a twang, which doesn't really make any <laughs> sense because he's from Wisconsin, so it should be more like Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, it's like, Rose, I want to draw you. Uh, well, yeah, like, how do you think he was, be able to, he was able to talk to those Swedes? Come on, let's go fuck in his car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> the real Titanic. Redub his dialogue. This is going to be great. Yeah. Just get uh, Francis McDormand to do our Marge Lundegaard thing. <laughs> yeah. So they're up there yakking away, and she's all like, Oh, I'm, I'm attracted to you, so I'm going to be a bitch. Yeah. Uh, you know how these things go. Yeah. Well, and actually, that's the thing that's surprising, is that it doesn't work for her. Like, it works for Lady Mary. Yeah. But it doesn't work for Rose DeWitt Bucator. Like, she's just so, she's so, like, flighty. She is. Yeah, I mean. Like, I understand that she doesn't fit in with her prescribed life. You know, I mean, I think the problem about it is it's just that she, the emotions just happen when they're required to happen and not, because, like, I could see, 
like the moment when she's like, oh, you can't ask me if I still love him, blah, 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 that sort of thing. Like, if you just look at those isolated 10 seconds, it makes sense and she's doing a fine job, but it fits with nothing that goes before or after it in mm-hmm. the conversation. Yeah. Like, she's just been complaining about her life and how she doesn't want to marry this guy and it's like, oh, but do you love him? Obviously, the thing to say there is, no, I don't love him. Have you not been listening to anything I'm saying? Also, are you not familiar with how rich people get married? Yeah. Like, the... You know, I, I, I no. I mean, it's just not. I mean, it. You know, it was sort of a consideration in those times, perhaps mm-hmm. for some people, but I mean, not everybody, and right. particularly in her position. And again, we're not even getting to it. I just want to reiterate. I mean, we do find out this marriage is explicitly yeah. to make up for the debt that her father left her and her mother in. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's taking one for this team she doesn't want to be part of, right? So it's a dumb scene. Yes. <laughs> Although Kate Winslet is adorable in it. Yes. And we get to see uh, the the sensitive artist that is lurking within this adorable ragamuffin, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, drawing pictures of one-legged prostitutes. Rose is like, what? A one-legged prostitute? And, and he says, sure, see, look. And I'm like, is that her and one of her clients? Like, Yeah. What? In the background, you can see the money on the dresser. <laughs> And, he, you know, he's got all of his weird drawings, and I'm like, this is the dumbest. I just hate this whole thing. Like, for me, it's not any good until people start dying. Yeah. Well, and it's like, why can't you just be into him because he's cute and sexy? And Yeah, like, he know, is cute and sexy. And, and a free spirit. Like, he, you know, wanders from town to town, winning poker games as he goes and whatnot. <laughs> like, you know, it's no basis for a life. Well, but then how are we supposed foolish. to get that naked picture of her titties? We could just see them doing it in the car. That would be fine. <laughs> it's an action shot, at least. <laughs> yeah. Titties in action. So she's like, oh, say say we'll go to the, the amusement park or whatever in where? Monterey or? Uh, Santa Ma- I don't know. Somewhere in Southern California. And she's like, even if we never go, let's just say. Let's just say we're going to go. And he's like, yeah, we'll ride the roller coaster till we throw up. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> like I've never thrown up before. Like <laughs> mother wouldn't allow it. Yeah. <laughs> so they make all these plans and it's like god, just get an automobile already. <laughs> Do it this afternoon. <laughs> so then um they're still hanging out and 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 Rose's mom shows up with a bunch of biddies cuz they're all taking the air and I'm like once again, how have you been allowed to keep this this pet on deck for so long? Right. And then Frances Fisher, Rose's mother, like just absolutely like has this beautiful look of hatred and contempt and disgust at Jack, which is great. And she nails it. I, I enjoy her throughout this uh-huh. movie. Uh-huh. She's great. Um, and then there's a voiceover saying, everybody was polite, but my mother looked at her like, looked at Jack like an insect. And I'm like, yes, we just saw that happen with our eyes. Give Frances Fisher some credit. She can act. Like, why are you telling me this? Also, they may have been polite, but they totally went and talked smack about you immediately. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. Oh, yeah. Um, so then uh, the wonderful Kathy Bates uh, gives... And, like, I love this scene because Leonardo DiCaprio does really just seem like a 12-year-old kid in this scene. Because she's right. like, what are you going to wear? And he's like... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. 
Oh, I don't want to take a shower. I'm, I'm busy. Got to do anything? I'm going over to Mike's house. I like this jacket. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, so she she gets him back into her cabin, and she's like, "I thought you were the same size as my son." And I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, I'm Molly Brown." <laughs> um, and then we have the infamous dinner scene, which. Uh, is fine. It is the only reason I'll ever not embarrass myself at a fancy dinner, like silverware wise. Oh, right. Um, if that's even accurate advice, it's probably not. I also I wanted to get this in here. They'll probably be like, "You can't even hold your knife like a gentleman." <laughs> it's true. Uh, there was a short scene that, that we missed earlier with Ismay and uh, the captain talking to each other, and Ismay being like, "Light up all the boilers. Let's see what this baby can do. Let's get into New York early, and all this sort of thing." And I just am curious as to what, like, to what extent the pressure was coming from Ismay, because I had always had this vague impression, I don't know why, that it was more, like, that it was Captain Smith that wanted to, like, you know, speed through it, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, that Ismay may have agreed, but I didn't think that is that, that Smith was reluctant, Well, I think this is part of the sort of cultural myth that's cropped up around Bruce Ismay, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's just all, you know, part of trying to to paint him as this horrible villain, mm-hmm. which, you know, and there was a lot of incompetence, but it's not like, you know, I don't know. Right. I don't know how true it was. Yeah. So that's something that so somebody can So maybe we'll look on. into it. Yeah. We'll see how Tom's foot feels next week. <laughs> so I can go out and do research at my local library. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Wikipedia. But yes, the dinner scene where Jack is, you know, trying to look rich. And... Uh, Rose's mom is helpfully reminding everybody that he's not rich at all and doesn't belong there. But he's so spirited and crack so wise. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's just like, oh, I haven't had this much fun since the Derby. (laughs) What an adorable ragamuffin. (laughs) Uh, so then, you know, the dudes all get up and go, go down to go talk about brandy and cigars and politics and stuff. Right. And, uh, Jack gives Rose a note, which she does a horrible job of concealing. Yeah. Her mom totes saw the whole thing go down, yeah, which is was, probably right there. why Billy Zane's manservant, uh, mm-hmm. you know, went down to investigate. Yeah. But so Jack's like, come on, meet me at this clock. And so she does, and they go, he's like, you want to go to a real party? Very Jack Nicholson. <laughs> no, I know. And it's like, is there going to be coke at this party? <laughs> I think there is. Because I can only do, like, two bumps. <laughs> um, so they go down, and they're partying in steerage, again, painting this picture, like, oh, look how much better these people are. Right. It's like, you know, somebody does need to talk about politics. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry that these people are being excluded from the process. Right. Also, and look, and their party does look fun, and their instruments yeah. are cool. Yeah, they're all having a good time, clearly. I do kind of wonder, where did all this beer come from? Like, yeah. Where did it come from? Like, because they're just going, like, Jack just, like, picks up a new glass at some point just from off a table, and it's like, really? Free beer? <sighs> <laughs> like. Oh, you know, wherever Irish people go, they bring a keg of Guinness. And just give it out for free? I, you know, well. You don't know. I. You're right. I don't know. I wasn't there. You weren't there. All right. Uh, but and and Rose is having a great time, and everybody yeah. is seemingly fine with her being there and not trying to steal anything of hers. For no, some she reason. hands her shoes to some old woman. I'm like, woman, <laughs> steal those shoes. That's a month's rent for God's sake. <laughs> you don't owe her anything. No, and she's she, got hundreds of shoes. 
she tries to impress these arm wrestling guys, one of whom is that Irish guy that we like so much, yeah. by going on point. Right. Which they're not really that impressed by, and neither am I. Because she only stays up for like two seconds. Could you do it? Uh, no. No, you couldn't. Nor could I. Yeah, but who cares? Well, it's just something that she's learned. It's how to- not a viable life skill. Neither is arm wrestling. You could eventually translate that into real wrestling. <laughs> Sometimes you need to reach things that are high up, Kelly. <laughs> I don't. I just make you do it. Maybe I should learn how to go on point. Maybe you should. Strengthen my toe against future injuries. Mm, I would wait until it's better <laughs> yeah. to start. Okay, that's a good plan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but then uh, Manservant uh, comes down the stairs and pokes his head in and looks around disapproving. He's like Sam the Eagle. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's just glowering. <laughs> Always right. glowering. And then uh, then we come to the next scene, scene 21, which is called A Cold Breakfast. Indeed. Uh, but we don't know what happened because we didn't watch that far. That's right. This is as far as we've gotten. This is as far as we've gotten. Scenes There's 8 through 20 8 on 8 through 20. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the first part of Titanic. I'm yeah. looking forward to the ship going down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all are. Look, that's what all the... You know, the third and fourth and fifth times, or however many times I went, every time I was just, like, looking at my watch, waiting for the ship to start yeah, sinking. Yeah, Or I would, I would doze off, and then I would, like, wake up later. I was like, oh, okay, iceberg. I'm watching now. you are. Come on. See some old people making their peace with death. Oh, man. That makes me so sad. Oh, yeah. That's the crying part. We'll that, get to that. And the mom reading to her babies. Look, we'll get we'll get to all the crying parts in future episodes. <laughs> Don't worry about it. There'll be plenty of crying. All right. Well, that's it for this very special first part of a three-part Titanic <laughs> special Up Yours Downstairs event programming. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in two weeks with the middle part of the movie, otherwise known as the part with the boobs. <laughs> Woo. So, until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs.
Akil Mera Remix Akil Mera Remix 